we have a very special message today. Last week, we started with a new series uh, called I Am. And let me tell you a, a little bit about the, the purpose of this series. What happened is when we're little, as we grow as a Christian, maybe, we start getting this idea of who Jesus is. And sometimes those ideas are formed by what we hear, by what um, maybe a message, maybe somebody in YouTube, maybe, um, I don't know, in, in uh, Sunday school, they say, this is Jesus. And we start forming in our minds the image of who Jesus is. But what better it is to hear who Jesus is from the source itself. <laughs> um, Jesus, in the book of John, uh, have these seven I am statements. And in these statements, he's comparing, he's, he's telling us who he really is. And I think it's very important for us to be able to hear um, the words that he's saying so that we can get a clear understanding of who he is. Dave explained last week about the meaning of the I am. And to me personally, when I hear uh, or when I even ask myself, Jesus, who you are, who are you? Um, and he says, I am, it's like it's so big. Um, like he can be every, anything for me. He can be the rock of my life. He can be whenever I'm stressed, I can run to. He can be uh, the one that provides me peace. I am anything and everything that you need. So, so to me, that, that name is so wonderful, so beautiful. And whenever Jesus is saying, I am, he's first of all telling us he's God. But think about this. God became man so that we can relate to him. God is also a person. And the beauty about a person is that you can have a relationship with him. And getting to know Jesus from his own words is key to that relationship. Have you ever played the, the broken telephone game? <laughs> Where you start getting, uh, one person will say something and they start passing around the same phrase. And by the end, once you get it, it's something totally different to what it was in the beginning. So what best to be able to hear from the source itself? And this is what I love about this, this series. Um, the, the, the message today is, I am the light of the world. And that is found on John 8, 12. But before we go to this verse... I want to start with this other passage. Well, actually, it's a title. A title that you can find just before John 7, 25. And the title is the following. is Can this be the Christ? Can this be the Christ? Now, why do I want to start in this title? Um, because when Jesus said, I am the light of the world... He said it in the middle of a, a season where a lot of people had a lot of questions. Where 
people were wondering, were, were asking questions, who is this Jesus? In fact, this is something that really amazed me. If you go to chapter 7 from the Feast of the Tabernacles, all this that happened, happened in the Feast of the Tabernacles and the day after the last day of the Feast of, of the Tabernacles, which is seven days long. Um, Tabernacles is like tents. In this season, I have been able to learn a lot about tents. It seems like with all the services that we're doing, and now I can relate a little bit to Paul that he was a tent maker. I'm not a tent maker. I'm like a tent placer because we keep moving the tents around. Uh, but it was, it was, put it this way, it was like a family camp. All the Jews came to Jerusalem and they were in this tents in these uh, tabernacles and they were little they were small uh, to feed the family and it was like a family camp like everybody got together um, so so it was it was a very special season but if you read from chapter 7 verse 1 until when Jesus says that he's the light of the world there are a total of 23 questions that people are asking. So this is, this is a, a passage where people were really confused. They, they were in the dark. They didn't know, you know, what to make out of this uh, Jesus, that he was just showing up. They didn't know who he was. They didn't even know who to trust about the, the things that they were saying about Jesus. 23 questions. I, I, I didn't check all the chapters, but I think this is the chapter with the most questions. What I did is, uh, just out of curiosity, I went to the longest chapter of the Bible, Psalm 119. And in that chapter, I only found four questions. <laughs> so in comparison, we have seven, uh, 23 questions in this passage, uh, which it shows the, the, the stage of the people. Uh, what they were going through at that time. So, um, I, I do want to tell you a question for you to continue to ponder during this message. And I don't want you to answer this question so quickly. I don't want you to answer this question right now. We'll have a time at the end of the service to be able to answer these questions. But the main title uh, slide for this series of I Am, there is a question that says, who do you say that I am? And throughout the service, um, you'll start seeing this image um, so that it can remind you. We're going we're gonna to see different group of people that are asking questions about Jesus. And I want you to keep an open mind because maybe you can identify to some of these people. Um, Maybe not right now, but maybe in the past. Maybe even right now. We're going to see different uh, group of people and see how they were trying to answer the question of who Jesus was. So let's, let's go really quickly and look at these four different groups. The first one were the family, the brothers of Jesus. And you'll find this on the first verses of chapter 11. Um, so here is what is going on. Um, the, the Feast of the Tabernacles is about to happen. And uh, the, the brothers 
they were also trying to figure out who Jesus was. Think about that. Uh, they saw something special in Jesus. And they were seeing all these miracles, and they were asking themselves, the family, they were asking themselves who Jesus was. And there is a key verse for us to ponder, and it is in uh, John 7, 5, and it says, For not even his brothers believe in him yet. Because as we go through the scriptures, we'll find that some of the brothers um, did, did uh, believe in Jesus. But at this moment, some of the brothers didn't, didn't believe in Jesus as the Christ. Um, and, and this is what they did. They, they say, okay, the Feast of the Tabernacles is coming up. <laughs> this is the perfect time for you, Jesus, to go to the family camp where all the Jews are getting together and show yourself and make yourself known and show that you are the Jesus Christ. If in fact you are, show yourself and show yourself to everybody. There is not any better moment for you to go to whole Jerusalem and uh, just show, show yourself and show who you are. Um, and, and this is key because I have found myself in this position I wonder how the father is looking at the people that are saying that, at the brothers of Jesus at that moment. Because here we find the family, the brothers of Jesus, telling God what to do. <laughs> they were saying, Jesus, this is the best thing that you can do. Imagine that, just ponder about that. You are telling God what is best. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense at all. But you know what? I have done that. <laughs> I have told Jesus what to do in my life. Instead of just submitting to him, instead of just saying, you are the Christ, you are God, and I'm the one that needs to submit to you. You are the one to tell me what I'm supposed to do, not the other way around. But sometimes it's so subtle that we find ourselves in that position. And we have to be very careful with that. We have to be very careful not to tell God what to do. I, you know, I, I, I see God, I see the Father on heaven, and I don't know if he is like that emoji that he goes and put his hand on his face, like saying, oh, no, no, no. Or if he's just laughing, um, I don't know if he has a big belly and, he, you know, the belly is just going like this because he's cracking up about, you know, what the people are trying to say or what I'm trying to do at that moment. I don't know. He's full of grace, but, but it doesn't make sense is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't make sense that we start telling God what to do. I remember one time that I was in a very difficult situation and I tried to get out of that situation in any way possible. It was one of those situations that, you know, either you do something about it or life is going to change in a very, very uh, noticeable way. So, so, you know, I started doing everything that I could uh, out of my own strength. And this is when I was first beginning to uh, go to church. So I was like a baby Christian and and... You know, after I try everything possible and nothing worked, I said, well, I've heard of this Christ. 
I heard of Jesus at a church. Let me try it out. And I say, God, if you are real, then help me out in this situation. And next, I start telling him how to help me out of this situation. I start saying, here, this is the best way. If you can touch the heart of these people so that they can go to where the problem is and they can also work together to be able to resolve this issue. And then, I, you know, it was so funny. I, <laughs> instead of just trusting God, I start telling God what to do. And this is key because in our lives, we're going to find ourselves on those areas, on those positions. And what God wants is to trust him. He, of course, wants us to do everything that is in our power. Don't sit on a couch and say, okay, show me that you're God and then you go to sleep. Because we have a part to play in this. Do everything that is possible in all your situations. And do the best that you can. But there comes a point that after you did everything, is on the hands of God. Let him take control of the situation. Of course, God didn't obey my commands. <laughs> uh, he didn't do as I, as I said, and I got frustrated. And I say, but I thought you were real. Here I'm trying to change my life for you, and you're not able to do this one thing for me. I got mad with the God. And I finally said, you know, God, I give up. I give up. And he's so wonderful. He surprised me in so many ways throughout my whole life. Not only in that situation. He came through in that situation, but not until I let go. It's like, um, you know, I remember this story. There is a kid on the monkey bars. And, you know, he's, he's doing it for the first time. And he's going through. But he's trying to get tired. And in the middle of the monkey bars... He cannot go anymore. He cannot go to the next step. And the father is down and he says, don't worry, I got you. And he's so worried that he, if he lets go, he's going to hit the ground. And then you can see that his, his hands are getting uh, sweaty. His, his knuckles are getting white. And he's trying with all of his force to hang on. And then he finally... Without strength, he let go. And then he realized that his father all along was down there just waiting for him. And sometimes we try to fix things in our own understanding with our own force. And sometimes we just need to let go and trust God. Because he wants what is best for us. For those that have trusted in him. For those that uh, we love him. So, so there, there are times in our lives when we need to just trust him. Don't tell him what to do. Trust him in what he's doing, in his purpose in life. So that's, that's the first group, the family, the one that were around Jesus, the brothers. Now let's look really quick at the second group. The second group is the, the religious people, the, 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 the church people, the 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 governments, the Pharisees, the, the teachers of the law. Uh, this was the second group. And it, there is a key verse, and it's also in John 7.30, and it says, So they were seeking to arrest him. 
it turns out that Jesus didn't go with the brothers, didn't go to, with the tabernacle. He ended up going to the feast uh, way later, okay? So he doesn't go in the beginning, but he did go to the feast of the tabernacles. And then he started teaching. He says that he went to the temple and he started teaching, and people were amazed at what he was saying. Um, and people start to believe in him. And when the Pharisees saw this, they start getting jealous. <laughs> and they, they, they start to make a plan to arrest him. Um, and I wonder why. I wonder why, um, why them. L- listen to me. Um, the, 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 the people of Israel were waiting for a Messiah. Think about this. They were desperately, they were waiting for the Messiah, the Christ. And Christ came to them and they didn't accept him. Why? If they were waiting for him, why they rejected him? Especially the people that knew more about the Christ. Especially the people that the Bible is full of uh, Easter eggs, like Pastor Dave says, telling about who Christ is going to be. And they had to know. They had to know that Christ was uh, coming and, you know, that they can see some of the things that were said in the Old Testament, in the law at that time, uh, in the person of Jesus. So why they were trying to arrest him? I bet you it is because it didn't fit with their plans. They had their own plans and God didn't fit on that. They they had a different purpose at that time. The, The thing that it will work for them is a Christ that will take him away or, or give them freedom of the Roman Empire so that they continue to do whatever they wanted to do. Think about that. It's not that they wanted the freedom to get the freedom to be able to run to God. They wanted the freedom so they could do whatever they wanted to do. And I wonder sometimes if we have done the same thing. <laughs> If, if we want the freedom of our oppression, of what this culture has to offer, of what this world has to offer, I wonder if we want the freedom of, of the financial system that we have sometimes. And we, we start looking for a God to be able to give us that freedom, but instead of running, running to Him, is because we have other purposes in our life, other, other intentions in our lives. And we have to be careful with that too. We, we have to know that if, if, if we accept the freedom that God has to offer, it's so that we can run to Him. God, the, the, the most important thing that Jesus came was to die on that cross. So we can have a relationship with Him. Not that He can give us freedom is so that we can come and have, just like the song that we just were singing, so we can run to the Father. If we're not doing that, we're missing the best. Like, you cannot have anything better than the relationship that we get to enjoy with God, that we get to live a life 
with, Je with God, with Jesus, walking along our side. And to be able to count with Him in everything that we do. There is nothing better, there is, there is not, no better thing than just to be able to have that, to be able to have the relationship with God. So, so let's be very careful in that. Let's, let's not be like the Pharisees and, and, and take that in our heads. Um, it, it's not about our purposes. It's not what it works best. Again, it's trusting God, what He is doing in our lives. And guess what? When we trust God, He gave us the best. Even better of what we were thinking or planning for our lives. This is the beautiful. That He wants the best for all of us. And we just need to run to Him. We just need to trust Him. So, so let's take that in consideration for our lives. As we continue to make that questions in our head. Who do you say that I am? The third group, the crowd, <laughs> the crowd. And th there is a couple of verses that I want to highlight. Uh, John seven twenty, it says, the crowd answered, you have a demon. This is when Jesus was teaching on the temple and he was explaining to them that he was God. And then when he said that, then the crowd starts saying, you have a demon. And let me show you the next verse. John 7, 31, it says, Yet many of the people believed in him. They say, when the Christ appears, will do more signs than this man has done? So, so you can see the two camps, right? You can see the, the, the crowd that rejects Jesus. And you can see the crowd that, because of the testimony, accept Jesus. And we were on that crowd at one point in our lives. We were part of that crowd. In fact, you know, I remember many times rejecting Jesus until I finally accepted him and his will on my life. Uh, but here, here is the thing. We're seeing that Jesus is the light of the world. But he also tells us that we are now the light of the world. And there is nothing else that is more important um, than to be able to share our testimony to the crowd, to the crowd that is around our lives. See, sometimes you see people, um, <laughs> you see people, uh, let, let me throw it out there. I went to Las Vegas uh, a long time ago, and I remember seeing people with big signs on the corners saying, repent, uh, you know, or you're going to go to hell. And, and I, I start to wonder, um, you know, God put that on their hearts, bless their hearts, but, but I wonder how effective will that be? I've never seen anybody that had turned to God because of those signs. Um, of course, God has a purpose in everything, but maybe he's putting a seed in, in the heart of people, but... But you know what is the best tool to be able to share Jesus? It's our testimony. It's what we're living. So uh, when people start seeing you and they start seeing something different in your lives, whenever you go through tough situations, whenever you walk in the desert, 
And people see how you react, how you're walking through life, and how you're trusting God. People around you can see that. And guess what? Whenever they have an issue, whenever they have a problem, they run to you. I remember when I started becoming a Christian, um, you know, my family started making fun of me. I mean, not, not putting me down or anything like that, but they started making fun of me. <laughs> um, and guess what? Whenever they start having issues, the first person that they run to was me. <laughs> hey, I'm going through this, and, you know, I know that you have gone through similar things. What can I do in these situations? So people see, and by your testimony, you're able to shine the light of Jesus in others. Um, there are some people that have um, that God has put something very special in them and needs to be able to share the news. Uh, and you can see that they have a passion for that. But it's not only for them. We should be able to share the good news to the people that are around us. So we should be at least a, a little bit familiar on how to do that. Because when, when we start preparing ourselves, God will put opportunities in front of you to be able to share the good news. So, so keep that in mind so that we can also be a light to the crowd. Um, don't worry about it. There is going to be some people that are going to reject you, that are going to offend you. Uh, imagine that. Imagine the people that say you have a demon inside and... I don't know if maybe they got convinced later on or they didn't. But if they didn't, imagine those words right now going through their heads over and over and over again. I met Jesus and instead of accepting him, I told him that he was a demon. And, and it, it could be a torture. You know, it must be a torture for them. So there is nothing else that we can do. Here is how important it is. The Bible says that when one person, don't worry if, if you don't go to the crowd to a thousand people, if one person believes in Jesus because of your testimony, because of your words, it says that the angel, they do a special celebration in heaven when that happens. Imagine that. Imagine that you're sharing the good news and then all the angels are looking at you and saying like, yes, come on, Andres, go ahead and present Jesus. And when that person say, yes, I accept Jesus, they do a celebration. They have a party on heaven because somebody turned to God. That's how important it is that we share the good news. That's how important it is that some people accept God and they get to restore a relationship with God here on earth and have an eternity of blessings as well in heaven. So that's how important it is. Let me uh, move quickly to the fourth group, the officers. This is very amazing. And let me read to you a few uh, verses. But here, here is the context. The Pharisees, you know, uh, they start saying that whatever they were trying to do, it wasn't working. So what they did is they sent the officers and they say, go ahead and arrest them. Okay, because the crowd was starting to believe in Jesus. So they needed to do something about it. They needed to stop that right now. And it says, John seven thirty two. it says, The Pharisees heard the crowd um, talking about these things about him. 
and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Verse 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He was telling the people um, during the Feast of the Tabernacles, the last day where there is a special celebration with water. He was telling, I, he was sharing the good news. He was sharing, go ahead and trust in me. I'm the one that can give you the living waters. Then on verse 46, 45, he says, the officers then came to, to the chief priest. So the, the officers were listening to God, to Jesus, saying those words that we just read. And then the officers came back to the chief priest and the Pharisees, uh, who said to them, Why did you not bring him? So they didn't arrest Jesus. They came back to the Pharisees with the empty handed. Now, be mindful, this is very key because you could die. Of because you didn't follow what they were telling you to do. So the, 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 the soldiers, the officers, were putting their lives on, on, on the line. And then look what the officer says. The officers answer, verse 46. No one ever spoke like this man. No one ever spoke like this man. The officers believed in the words of Jesus Christ. <laughs> By hearing the words, their faith was increased. They start having faith in God. And this is key. This is key to understand because there is a, a, a passage. Let, let me read it to you. Um, in Romans 10, 17, it says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And this is, this is the time when I'm telling you something very important. If your question of who do you think Jesus is, you're not completely sure, I urge you, continue to come and listen to the words of Jesus Christ. Some people will have faith like this. Some people will believe in Jesus Christ like this. Some people, it's a process. And God is in the middle of everything. But don't give up. Continue to come. Continue to seek for his presence. Continue to listen to his words. Because the word said, Jesus, God itself says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the words of Christ. You think you have this little faith that whenever there is an issue, you even say to yourself, I'm sorry, God, I gave up again because my faith is this little. Continue to come. Continue to grow. Continue to listen to God because he is doing something very special in you. He's transforming your life with the renewing of your mind by the words that he is telling us. Romans 12, 2 tells us. So continue to trust in God. Continue to uh, hear his voice. 
And let me end with this. Let me end with Jesus. Because all along, all these people have been asking, have been wondering, have been um, questioning who Jesus is. And Jesus can see the darkness that is surrounding everybody uh, in, 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 with the Jews. He can see the darkness of the Pharisees trying to convince people that he is not God. He is not who he says it is. And Jesus all along, throughout chapter 7, throughout the, the interactions with the brothers, with the Pharisees, throughout the interactions with the crowd, throughout the interactions with the officers, the soldiers, he's explaining to, to each one of them that he is God. And he's trying to tell everybody until finally he comes to chapter 8, verse 12. When he says, again, Jesus, look at that word. If if you're taking notes, uh, you know, just uh, underline that word again. Because again and again and again, he was telling the people who he was. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of uh, life. So this is the moment that Jesus finally uh, reveals himself, telling everybody on your questions, on your darkness, on everything that you're going through. Keep in mind that I am the one, I am the light for every situation that you're going through. For every set of group of people, he was the light for all of them. Some decided to follow him, some didn't, but he was the answer to be able to bring clarity in all of the aspects, on all of the different uh, groups that we were saying. And the same is with us. You know, there is a verse that I love. It's in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new one has come. Have you had a dark past? Jesus says that he comes to our life and the old goes away and he makes things new. You are a new creation in God. And this new creation is based on the fact that he's bringing clarity. He's bringing light to your life. But, but hear this because don't miss it. Don't, don't, don't miss this. is very important for it to be able to understand in our own lives, we talk about different groups, but I want to go back to that question. Who do you say that Jesus is? I know we have identified ourselves with different times in our lives with the different uh, uh, crowds and, or people or sec- sectors. But right now, in this moment, who do you say that Jesus is? Wait, don't answer so quickly because... In your mind, what comes first is, yes, Jesus is my Lord. You know, that's probably the first thing that comes to your mind. But, but be careful, because Jesus said, uh, actually, let, let me read it to you. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I'm telling you? 
we have to be very careful because the very fact of saying, Lord, but you're not obedient to what he is telling you, then it, it doesn't, it, that's another thing that it doesn't make sense. How can you tell him, Lord, and not ob- be obedient? So then he's not your Lord. So that's why we, we have to be very careful and understand that, yes, Jesus wants to be our Lord. I'm not saying the contrary. But it's not only about saying it. It's not only about thinking it. It's the way that you live. It's the way that you act. It's the way that you're obedient to his words. Listen to me. Uh, God is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of our life. And I'm sure you know this verse. Um, It's in Psalm 119, 105. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When I understood this, it made a big difference in my walk as a a Christian. Um, Because on those days, they didn't have the same lamps that we have nowadays. Nowadays, you have these big, huge, powerful lamps. In fact, you can see these lamps all over in constructions, all over the the area. Uh, You can see how big they are and how much they can light at night. But they didn't have any of of that um, back then. They didn't have the technology. The technology nowadays, I was surprised. Now that we're doing all the YouTubes and the Zoom calls and everything, I invested on a light. <laughs> um, and look at this. L- this little light, look, look at all the light that it gives. I don't want to shine your eyes, but imagine that, the technology that we have nowadays with the lights that we have. They didn't have that back then. They didn't have that technology to be able to see everything. What did they have? They had a small little lamps. And the way that it says that the word is a lamp to my feet, and a light to my path is because of the following. At dark, when people had to use these lamps, they couldn't put it like this and be a light to everything that is on the path. It was so small that they had to go like this, walking like this, to be able to see your next step. Because if you don't light enough, then you will be able uh, to maybe trip or something. So you have to bend down a little bit, put the light, because it was very small. And every single step that you were going to take, you needed the light so you wouldn't trip. Every single step. What I'm trying to say is, God, what he wants in our lives is for his word... Um, this is not just a book. This is not just a Bible. This is the, the words of the living God that, you know, become true in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants you that as you walk in life, every step that you take, you take in consideration his words. That, that you don't take a decision without consulting him. That you don't take a decision without trusting in what he has to say for your life. That's what God wants for us. He wants to, for us to obey everything that says. I think we, we probably could have avoided so many issues if 
If we were just obedient to his words, think about that. Think your big mistakes. If you probably, <laughs> at those days, um, could have been obedient to God, to his words, you probably could have saved a lot of pain or a lot of issues. So don't let that to happen. Keep, in, keep that in mind. We must live a life where the word of God, his words, his uh, true and living words are part of our walking in life. That's how God meant it to be. That's what it means to have Jesus as our Lord of our lives. Is that he's God and we're not. We're just to obey him and trust him. And trust me on this. It will be the best decision for every single day that you can take. When we put our trust and we, when we live in a way that we allow Jesus to share light on our life. With this I end. Whenever we're in heaven, it says that there will be no sun, there will be no light. Because Jesus itself will be the light of every one of us. Of everything. Imagine, imagine the light that Jesus can be for you. He can be the light, a, a, a light that is more powerful than this. Because he will be sufficient for everybody that is going to be with heaven. Let's close our eyes. God, <laughs> I need you, Lord. I cannot walk every day if you were not in my life. Today, I need you more than ever. I might be here in front talking about you, but in reality, we're all your sons, and we all need you for every step that we take. We love you, and there is nothing else. My prayer right now is that all of us will be able to trust you, will be able to know that you're sufficient for our lives, and to be able to live a life that is worthy of your smile, your celebration, and the trust that you have given us. Dear Lord, we love you with all of our heart, and we pray, amen.